It's been hot, hasn't it? The heat has been on. Uh, these spotty showers that's been going around that you probably got some at your house, zilch at my house. In fact, I was mowing grass Friday afternoon and uh, praying for some rain just to rain on me while I was mowing the grass. Uh, it was hot and the grass was dry and, and it was you know dust and grass flying everywhere. And uh, I felt, or I, I thought in that moment, trying to mow about Job sitting out on the ash heap after he had lost everything and, and um, with the sun beating down on his head. And he, he describes that, that scene in, in the book of Job. And, and uh, I thought, you know, I'm feeling a little bit of Job today. I'm, I'm breathing in all this dust and, and junk from the yard. It's, it's about a million degrees outside and uh, looking for a shower, looking for some relief. We're going to talk this, this month about the seasons of life and how in some seasons... God is really all over everything we're about, and he's, he's, we can see his hand clearly working in our life, and we can see the twists and turns that he's taken us on, the doors that he's opened for us are much clearer and more easier to recognize and walk through. And then there are seasons, like we're looking at today in Job's life, that are just dry. They're just dry, and we're thinking, you know, what happened? Did I move? Did God move? Did I, was I disobedient in some way? Did I, have, I, have I dropped the ball in some way? What's going on? I, I, I can't sense... The freshness of his spirit is speaking to my heart, to my, to my, speaking his, his will and his way into my life. And, and sometimes I think God allows us, we're going to see this morning, through those seasons, um, some dry spells to make us thirsty again. Sometimes we lose our thirst for spiritual things and, and our hunger for spiritual things. And I think he allows us to, to, to be parched, spiritually parched, and physically and sometimes in some cases parched, to seek him out again. And uh, I think that's that's why these these seasons. Are, you know, it'd be great if, if life was like this, wouldn't it? We could just be on a gradual incline all the time, and things are clicking, lots working, bills are getting paid, kids are doing good. But life isn't like that. I mean, it's it's kind of like this, and hopefully more like more like this, but more ups and downs. But but life in this world is uh, the scripture says a man born a woman is a few days and full of trouble. And we're going to have trouble in this world. I want us to see how the scripture kind of paints this picture of seasons for us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Now, this isn't on the screen, but if you're going to turn to chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes, you'll see this, this list of, <clears throat> of things that we are and can and should watch for as life progresses itself in our world. There's a time for everything, verse 1 says of chapter 3, and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. There are, there are seasons of life and times to everything that God works in us and through us and around us into the lives of others, into the life of our family, folks we work with. And I think it's important we, we recognize the seasons God is up to because if we don't, we'll miss his hand. We'll, we'll miss the, the, the method by which he takes us there and the reason for which he takes us there to see a clearer path, of, a clearer nature of who he is and what he's up to. 
Turn to Job chapter 6, if you will, and I want us to look at several verses here in Job 6 of his story uh, and how he, how he faces adversity here in, in this dry spell of his life. Verse 14, we'll pick up in the 14 of chapter 6 and read down through verse 17. A despairing man should have the devotion of his friends, even though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty. But my brothers are as undependable as intermittent streams. As the streams that overflow when darkened by thawing ice and swollen with melting snow, but that cease to flow in the dry season and in the heat vanish from their channels. First thing I want us to see here from, from this, this passage is the summer season, uh, is, summer is the season for devoted friends. It's the season for devoted friends. Look at what he says in verse 14. A despairing man should have the devotion of his friends. Now, Summertime is often a time when we get together with friends and family and over cookouts and weddings and vacations and bar mitzvahs and, and you know, whatever else is in your life, in your world, wingdings of, of, of many kinds. And he's, he, I think what Job is trying to claim here is that devoted friends are a blessing from God. Now, he, he, he goes, there's a lot of back and forth between Job and his friends, and if you want to read his entire story. But he appreciates the fact that his friends are devoted, and though he don't agree with everything they say, say about his condition and his, his stage of life at that point, he appreciates them being there and appreciates their devotion. Uh, it's been said that if family is the dish, then friends are the seasoning to that dish. And that's true. If, if our substance is who we are and where we were born and how we, how we do life together with our family, the seasoning of life comes through the friendships that we have, hopefully devoted friendships. And I, w- I would encourage you to, to look for those kind of folks I've shared with you before Probably in the inner circle of your life, you can number them on one hand. The folks that you would share anything about the nature of who you are, how life is treating you, and what you're getting, what you're not, what you're understanding, what you're not. You would let on the inside of your life, probably can be numbered on one hand. That's probably not a bad idea for it, to, for it to be that small because there needs to be folks in our life, in the inner circle of our life, that we do life with on a regular basis that, that can see into us. That, that can speak into the things they see in us, that give us a perspective that we wouldn't have day after day after day, a perspective that we don't sometimes ordinary, ordinarily see on our own because we're caught up in the, in the middle of those situations and circumstances that keep us blinded from what God might be up to. And so we need devoted friends to help us see those things, those inner circle friends. Um, and there's nothing wrong with having acquaintances and folks that you just do dinner with occasionally and nothing, nothing wrong or evil or bad about any of that. We need inner circle friends. We need devoted friends who will walk with us to a hard place and recognize it themselves and help us get there. Uh, acquaintances come and go. And you've had acquaintances in your life from high school, from early adulthood, from middle adulthood. Acquaintances come and go, and, and there's nothing evil or wrong about that because situations in life take us and them into different places. But devoted friends are and are, 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 should be cherished. And, and, and those kinds of relationships was, should be nourished. Now, as I said earlier, Job, Job was frustrated with some of their counsel or, or advice that they, they were trying to pour into his life. But at the same time, they are the constant through this book of Job. His friends are there. The man will be saying what he wants to hear, but they're there. They're present. There's something to be said for a friend that will show up and is present in your life, regardless of what the circumstances are. And whether it's convenient for you or, or convenient for them, even, uh, but that that, that is, uh, it's an essential for us. Their, their constants was uh, an essential for him, and they, those kinds of friends are for us. So, if you find yourself in the summer, in in a, in a dry season, and and in a season where you're just wondering, 
and I've not, I've not heard, heard the voice of God or sensed his hand or, or sensed his presence, rather, or seen his hand in, in a long, long time. I'm in a dry place. I would encourage you to start to surround yourselves with friends that can help you see that, walk through it in, in a way that's, that is productive, and nurture those friendships that matter. Invest in them. Invest time in them. Invest, invest yourself into those kinds of friends because they're rare. And friends that will hang with you through thick and thin are rare. We need to nurture those relationships, those friendships, those, those devoted friends. Summer is the season for those kinds of things. <coughs> Secondly, summer is the season not only for devoted friends, but for dependable friends. Look at 15 and 16. He says, but my brothers are as undependable as intermittent streams, as the streams that overflow when darkened by thawing ice and swollen with melting snow. My brothers are as undependable as intermittent streams. Boy, on again and off again relationships can... They can just drain you. And they can just suck the life out of you. Of, of here's, a, here's somebody I thought was a true friend, but just isn't. And then they want to show up again back in my life at a later time when things are working and things fall apart. Where, they, where are they again? And when life starts clicking again, here they are again. They show up again and invest themselves in me again. And when life isn't working, they're gone again. And both those off and on again relationships uh, with friends are, can, can have a way of draining us and, and, and sucking the life out of us sometimes. Um, Job's, Job's love-hate relationship here with his friends is evident in this book. And uh, they're loyal, at least, and attempt to be truthful with him, yet they can't see God at work in all of this. They're, they're, they're trying to analyze everything in, in Job's life and can't see the hand of the Lord of what's, what's going on uh, with, with Job. But you and I don't need friends who are just dependable. You and I need friends who are pursuing Jesus passionately. And it's one thing to have a friend that you know cares about you and has your back and, and loves you and would do anything for you. It's something altogether different to have a friend who is like that, who is also pursuing Jesus with all they have. You're, go, you're going to see motives in those kind of friends poured into your life with far different effects and far different results than you are just somebody that's going to hang with you. It's fine to hang with somebody. But somebody that's pursuing Christ as well will say, you know what, God might be in some of this. He may be speaking to you through the circumstances, through what she said, what he said, what the situation on your job may be right now. God may be in some of this to teach you something that a hard place can only teach, to teach you something that only a dry spell can, can bring across and, and, and ring true in our lives. And, and friends who are not just dependable but, but who are devoted and, and are following Jesus or pursuing him uh, as a lifestyle can help us see those kind of things. And sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes those kind of friends can be brutally honest with us, and they should. They should have the, the, they should have the, 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 the freedom. You should give them the freedom in your life, those inner, inner circle friends. You should give them the freedom to be honest with you, brutally honest to say, you know, you're, you're stinking at this right now. You're stinking at seeing God in all this, and he's all over it, and you're, you're choosing to wallow in your, in your pity instead of seeing the hand of God, and there he goes. He's, he, he was all over that and this. And sometimes the honesty hurts, but it's honesty that we need. And, and as I say, sometimes it can be brutal, but we need people around us that won't just tell us what we want to hear, but those who will tell us the truth about where we are, where we find ourselves in, in, the, in the midst of a hard place, in the midst of blessing, in the midst of hurt, in the midst of financial crisis, in the midst of something going on at our job. We need friends who will tell us the truth. Look at verse 24. Job says, teach me and I'll be quiet. Show me where I've been wrong, how painful are honest words. But what a, what a truth. How painful sometimes are honest words. But he says, teach me and show me where I've been wrong. 
I want to see where I've been wrong. I want to see what's, what's brought this on. I want to see why I'm sitting here on the ash heap. My life totally in, in shambles. Everything's gone. I've lost everything and everybody. Teach me and help me see the things that I'm not seeing to see why I'm in this place. And those kinds of friends that he's talking about that are, that are dependable friends will be honest and truthful with us in those moments to say, here's what God may be up to. Uh, he's got designed to everything. And so we, we need those kind of people in our life. Here's why. They're valuable for a couple of reasons. One is they remind us of a couple of things. They remind us of who we are, and they remind us of the fact that God is always up to something as we just close the, close the series of uh, uh, dealing with that. But they remind us of who we are in the sense that in, in a pit and in a, in a prison and in, in a hard place, we need reminders of you're a child of the king and a joint heir with Jesus. You're a child of the king and a joint heir with Jesus. I know, but, but you're a child of the king and a joint heir with Jesus. But you don't understand. But you're a child of the king and a joint heir with Jesus. We need, <clears throat> we need those constant reminders again and again that faithful, dependable, Jesus-pursuing friends will help us to see and understand that we won't otherwise pursue on our own. We need to be reminded of those things, of who we are, you're a child of the king, a joint heir with Jesus, and the fact that he's up to something. God is in this. Can't see him in these circumstances today, but he's in this because nothing comes into our life that is not either caused or allowed by him. And so because of that truth, he's in this. We know he is, even if we can't see him. So that's the first thing we need those kind of friends for. The second is, is, there, is those are the kinds of friends that help us batten down the hatches when the storms start to come. They're the friends that say, well, let, let's prepare for this. Let, let's, let's, if, you, if you're in a relationship that's challenging you and you're afraid you're going to be ungodly or unchristlike, sit down with a friend to say, help me work through some possibilities of how I could answer this question or deal with this issue. Help me see something, a perspective that I'm not seeing today. Help me get that. Help me understand because I want to walk into this conversation. I want to walk into this encounter. I want to walk into this situation better prepared because, because of what you helped me see than I would on my own. So help me see the side of this that I'm not seeing so that I can, I can, I can at least anticipate Here's what could come. Here's how to, how to handle this situation. And those kind of friends are, as I said, are valuable assets to our lives. And need to be, those kind of relationships need to be nurtured and, and, and cherished and developed over time uh, because they're, they're there in the storm and they're there to remind us, you're a child of the king and a joint heir with Jesus. Don't forget that. He's up to something in your life and in these circumstances. Thirdly, summer is a season for devoted friends, for dependable friends, Summer is a season also for dry spells. Look at first part of verse 17 with me. Uh, he's talking about the streams that overflow in verse 16, but that cease to flow in the dry season. The streams that, see, that shut down and stop flowing in the dry season, he says here. If you take time to read this the story of Job, <clears throat> you'll see that his, that his afflictions at least last for several months, that he's out on the ash heap for a period of months. It could be longer than that, but it's at least that long. So, and, and sometimes the summers in our life last a lot longer than we'd like for them to last. And, and they can literally and, and figuratively and spiritually be dry seasons for us uh, to, to have to endure. <clears throat> but seasons where we don't feel as close to God as we used to, uh, they're, they're, where, where it seems the streams have dried up, uh, dried up, those are the seasons we need to learn from and we can glean from far more than when life's clicking. When life's clicking, the enemy, I'm going to tell you, the enemy wants to tell you it's because of you. When your life is working, he's saying, listen, you did, you're did. you doing okay there and there and there. 
And when life isn't clicking, we start to start to point fingers and, and try to figure out, okay, where's God? Where's God when my life isn't working? Well, where was God when my life was working? He was the reason my life was working. And when my life isn't working, he's also perhaps the reason why it's not. So what do I need to see in the midst of a time where it isn't or seems to be not so that I can see a way back to where it is? If I acknowledge him in the, in the, in the times of blessing, He'll learn, I will learn to see more of him in the times of, in the valleys that occur in my life. And uh, there's valuable lessons to be learned in dry seasons. And here's three things that come to mind about those dry seasons. First is this, is we learn who our devoted and dependable friends really are. When you're in a dry season, you find out what your friends are made of. Uh, you find out who, who, they, who they really are and whether you, their, their friendship with you is one of convenience or whether it's one that sustains them and sustains you. We find out what your friends are made of. The second thing is we find out what we're made of. We find out where, where our root system really is because, and I use this analogy a lot, if we're being squeezed out and squeezed out and squeezed again and again and again with nothing coming in, we find out some things about ourselves. We find out what we're made of. We find out where our root system is developed when the storms come, whether we're strong enough to, to weather the storms and weather the, 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 the dry spells in our life. Uh, the third thing is we and we talked about this in, in, in uh, a couple of weeks ago in this series. He always has a plan. We learn <clears throat> in the dry spells how to listen to the whisper of God. We learn in the dry spells how to how to listen and hear the whisper of God because the dry spells will have a way, oftentimes, of getting us to the end of ourselves. And we need to get to the end of ourselves before we see the first of Him, before we hear His voice. And I told you again and again, he's not going to, to yell through the clutter of your life. He's not going to yell to get over the volume of this and that and that and him and her and your job and your, your friends and your, your world and your, your hobbies, your toys. He's not going to yell over those things to get your attention. He's more often going to whisper to say, here's what I want you to see. And sometimes we have to get to a dry spell and get to the end of me before I can see and hear the whisper of God, the voice of God. And he'll speak. He will speak. He's faithful to do that. But we have to get to the end of ourselves and lay all of our, our abilities to handle and solve this situation down at his feet and say, I can't. I can't. I'm at the end of me. I have no capability to pull myself out of this situation or to understand it any more than I understand it now. Help. And when we get, find ourselves in that place, we, we learn to hear the, the, the whisper of the voice of God. Dry summers are necessary because they make us thirsty again. A parched place will cause us to hunger and thirst for things that matter, things that are substantive, things that are real, things we can hang on to when life gets hard again. And I would give you just, a, uh, if I could give you a bit of counsel as to how to deal with those in a practical sense, if you find yourself in a dry spot, like I was on a lawnmower on Friday, refuel. And I did. I got off my lawnmower, went inside, got a thing of Gatorade, and I started chugging Gatorade. We need to refuel. When the dry spells occur in our life, we need to, I would encourage you to find, uh, find a good book by uh, a biblically sound author, Swindoll, uh, uh, Lucado, Keller, uh, Chan, Platt. Find yourself a good book that will refuel your spirit and refuel your mind and re, re, renew the things that you, you know to be true but you've unintentionally walked away from. Find yourself a re, to, to refuel that or, or in, in a CD or, or download some uh, some good Christian music or worship music that, that will help you refuel and get back to a place where you can start to see the hand of God at work in your life and recognize him again, recognize his, his design, his purpose, his will, his plan, 
his way for you. Uh, so in short, when the tank starts to get empty, refuel. Uh, don't, don't, don't wait to, to, for that to happen in your life. Fourthly, the summers are seasons for heat waves in our life. Look at the latter part of verse 17 with me. Uh, streams that cease to flow in the dry season, and watch, and in the heat vanish from their channels. In the heat they vanish from their channels. Now, consider with me a few things that heat does. <clears throat> and I don't like it any more than you do, as I said a few minutes ago. It seems the older I get, the, the longer summer gets, and the longer winter gets, and the shorter spring and fall are. When I was a kid, uh, I couldn't wait to summer. I couldn't wait to get, but now I can't wait till summer's over. And I'm looking forward to fall. I'm looking forward to, to, to seeing some color on the leaves and a little nip in the air and, you know, getting out on the porch a little more and sit without feeling like you're sweltering all the time. And so as we go through those seasons, uh, heat, though, is a necessary thing for us to see and understand the results of. Here's, here's two or three things which it does. Heat, first of all, reduces something down to its essence. You throw something in the fire, it's going to get reduced quickly to what it really is, either ash or it'll burn away the things that, that are consumable and leave the things that aren't. If you've got something that's, that has plastic or wood around its periphery and steel or metal at its core, you're going to see the steel and the metal left when, it, when the heat turns on and when the fire gets to, gets to a way of consuming that thing. Uh, it reveals once the life is sucked out of something, what's really left, what, what, what is really the essence of it. So it has a way of fire, has, heat has a way of doing that. Second thing is, is it purifies. Fire purifies things and, and burns away the dross and impurities in, in metal, in gold, in steel, in anything that's, that gets hot enough to where the impurities rise to the surface and can be, can be scraped off under, under enough intense heat and enough, enough of a, uh, in depth heat. They, to, to, to purify or, or sterilize, a, a knife or some kind of instrument. You can put it over fire and it becomes sterile. It purifies. Fire has a way of purifying the, the, the things that are that, that need purifying in our life and exposed to to uh, uh, get it to, to deal with the, the minerals and foods and even more that, that comes into our into our life. The third thing is is it forges heat for heat and fire forge things in our life. You, I'm not a welder. I don't know a lot about welding, but I've seen a lot of guys weld and. I know how welders work. If I can get that, if I can get, I got a corner corner joint of steel, and if I can get that that arc, that electrical arc in that in that corner joint, and get the heat being intense in that as that welder arcs itself, and and melts those two pieces of steel into one into one piece of steel, and that joint in that corner is actually stronger, ends up being stronger many times than the surface of the steel in, in another area. Heat has a way of doing that in our lives. It forges things. It makes us. It makes, takes us to a stronger, more, more stable place oftentimes than, than we w- would have been without it. And if we'll see the, the, some of the benefits that, that heat can do in our lives, uh, we'll understand that I, I'm deeper, I'm stronger, I'm better, I'm, I'm more well-refined and more well-defined for having walked through a hard place, a hot place in my life. Uh, it, it, it can forge us into, into stronger, more durable people than we were before. It had that effect in Job's life. If you read the end of the book, he comes away with this, comes away from this story with a, with a, a staunch uh, stand and, 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 and a deeper, more devoted, stronger relationship to, to, to God than he had before. It, it can and will have that effect in our lives too, but we have to learn to endure it and not bail out. We have to learn to hang in and, and not run when those, when those times occur. Uh, if, if we're going to 
to see the reduction, and we talked about clutter a couple of weeks ago, if we're going to see the reduction of clutter in our life, if we're going to see the, the purification from negative influences, from negative people, from negative circumstances in our life, if we're going to see the forging, the strengthening take place, we've got to hang in. We can't bail when it gets harder, when it gets hot. We've got to hang in when we see the, 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 the dry spell and the heat occurring. And we do, when we do, we start to see the results of those kinds of effects that, that only heat can have, only a hard place and a dry spell can have. Well, as we wrap up, your question and observation. Are you in a spiritual season of summer? Do you find yourself in a dry place, in a place where you just sit again and again, day after day, I'm just spiritually parched. (laughs) I've not seen the hand of God at work in years. I've not understood and heard clearly the voice of God in my life for a lot of seasons. I don't know that I would understand it and hear it clearly if he spoke today to me, either by way of his word, by way of a friend, by way of a message, by way of a song. I don't know that I would see and recognize his hand and his voice today. It's been that long. I'm in a dry place. I'm in a dry, a, a dry season. My, my admonition to you this morning would be the temptation is to run from those places. And my advice to you is stay right there. Don't run. Stay in a dry season. There are things, as I say, you can learn from a dry season that will only come in those places. And surround yourself with godly people who are chasing after the same things you are that can help you see there's, there's method to what God is doing right here. He's got design to this. He, did, he allowed this or brought this into your life for a reason. See him through and see it through. And you'll start to see him on the other end of this that you wouldn't have otherwise. See, put, put people around you in your life that will help you see those things in a hard place. Because I'm going to tell you, the enemy loves isolation. He loves to get you by yourself. He loves to get you in a place that says, aha, now who's here to help you? And when you can spit in his eye to say, well, he is, and she is, and they are, it's more easy for us to see, here's God in, in, in the hand of my friends, in the hand of these dependable friends that he's placed in my life that are pursuing him to help me see a nature of him in the heat, in the dry spell, in the dry season that I could only see with him around. But here's, here's my advice to you in those seasons. Refuel. Refuel. Don't stay dry. Don't think that's how life is supposed to be lived. Don't see through a lens that says, you know, this is as good as this is ever going to get for me. Refuel. Go back to the well. Pull some, pull some fresh water up. As I said a moment ago, uh, find yourself at the end of a good book of, of a sound Christian author. Download some new, new Christian music to your phone that will fill you up and refresh you and stir your soul again and make you to a place of where you're starting to sense the starting starting to hear again the voice of God, sense the presence of God, starting to see the hand of God. Uh, because here's the good news. Fall's coming. Summer's just a season. A dry spell of seasons in our life. Fall's coming and fall's a time for harvest. Fall's a time, fall's a great time. And it follows summer. It follows the dry season spiritually oftentimes in our life just as it does physically. So next week, fall's coming. And next month, actually. Literally, fall's coming. Find ourselves looking beyond the dry season to what is next and not, not, not wallowing in that to say, this is as good as it's ever going to be. God's never going to speak to me again the way he did when I was 20, even when I was 12, 15. Yes, he will again and again and again, but we have to choose not to stay there and to surround ourselves with people who will help us, help us see him there in those moments and in those places. Refuel.